had the vision to see an overcrowded marketplace of people spouting their worthless opinions and said, Hey, me too. It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Hello everyone and welcome to Behind the Line Radio, a podcast about the making of video games, the business of video games, and the people of the video games industry. I'm your host, Kinetic, aka Nick, and joining me today we have Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. All right. And we've had enough episodes, I can't even remember if I've had any other Chris's on. I don't think so, I think you're the only one. But in any case, today... We are going to talk about several things, several things that get me really upset. So I don't know if this is going to be a wonderful, just rampaging run of hot takes on things that bother me, or because they are things that bother me, my brain tends to just try to reject the concept. So I'm a little lighter than usual on prep this week. But that's a great thing is that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yes. I I expect you to bail me out on this. That's what friends are for, sir. (laughs) So, <laughs> to start off, uh, I, I have spoken on podcasts and I've written several times that, in my opinion, the video games industry, just our whole sector, is immature. Immature in a number of ways. Um, one comparison I use is, like, if you look at stuff like Box Office Mojo, you pick most movies, most of them, they're production budget is pretty in line with their box office take, you know, with some margin for, you know, the cut for the theaters and distribution and marketing and so forth. But you don't find too many that are just bombs. That that isn't the case in the video games industry. There's a lot of just horrible, horrible bombs in video games because you got to sink a lot of money in and if it doesn't get any traction, it's just gone. So there's there's just a, a fundamental structural immaturity in that sense. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. The industry is also immature in other ways. There is an immaturity in the customer base. This isn't universal, but there's definitely a strong, strong undercurrent of just immature people, vocal immature people in the customer base for video games. There's also immaturity in the business management and not just in budgeting, like I said, but also how you're going to handle office culture. There's immaturity in how the interaction between the customers and the businesses. And there's just immature in basic things like financing and following the law and God, sometimes even human dignity. It's insane. I mean, Chris, you've you've seen enough. You probably have and and dealt with enough customers and stuff. Uh, for those who are not familiar, Chris is uh, a bit of a uh, would you say customer relations specialist? I, that's how I would put it. Yes, yes. Hey, I got it right on the first try. Maybe I didn't even check with you first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for uh, you know over fifteen years. Um, and and it, it's you're right. It, it's not just uh, uh, customers. It's it's really both sides of the business. Um, you know, you know. Sometimes you're talking to a customer and, and they don't show a lot of intelligence, but then you see it in the business side as well. And it can be, it can be frustrating when you care about this business. You see what the opportunities are, not just for um, 
making a strong business case, but been changing people's lives. I'm, you know, having been in this industry for a long time, you know, I've had horrible things uh, go on, people threatening me, that kind of stuff. Um, but I've also had just amazing events where I've touched people's lives and, and hopefully changed them the better. So um, I understand your frustration and the um, and the anger of, of wanting us to be better and just not seeing that growth, um, you know, in the timeline that, that we hope it would happen. Yeah, and there's been a few a few rather high profile examples of some of this going on recently. Um, I've actually over the past few weeks, our, our, our chat feed has been just me with a dump of insane st- stories that I think are just crazy and how they just kind of keep going and get worse and worse. <laughs> some of them. Yeah, yeah. And me just kind of, I don't know, I'm not incoherently screaming in a text chat format, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I feel the frustration when you send it to for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my God, how could you be screwing this up this bad? So let's start with something that really probably should still be a pretty big controversy, but due to other controversies that have come out since then, it's almost just disappeared from the headlines. Yeah, yeah. But um, ArenaNet, um, yeah, they um, don't know how to handle things. <laughs> Uh, it would seem where the, the basic story here, for those who don't know, is that there was, um, on Twitter, one user, one person replied to a certain thread explaining something about, you know, difficulties to, I, I, I believe the short version is the, um, a, a writer was talking about the difficulties in writing, uh, open-ended branching storylines in an open MMORPG format. And they pretty much replied with, oh no, I don't think this is a deal. I don't think this should be a big problem. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here and explain this. And if here's kind of the, the, the weird thing. It, 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 it's a little bit of the thing where I think technically you could kind of place blames on both sides, but one is so wildly out of proportion that any wrong on the, the, the other side is irrelevant. Um, so this was said to a female dev who, who uh, uh, Jessica Price, who replied with, uh, 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 I've got the, the tweet right here. Today in being a female game dev, quote, allow me, a person who does not work with you, explain to you how to do your job. <laughs> Which I can understand that this would be a very frustrating thing. Nothing in the text of what was said here that I have seen was gendered initially. Um, so you could, if this were the entire scope, you could say, well, that was possibly a little reaching and impolite, you know? Right. And Chris, jump in if, if you think my characterization is, is, um, off base here in any way. No, no, no. I think, I think with that piece, you know, if it, um, (laughs) both the, the mansplaining aspect and actually also people who, who actually don't do this as a job really don't understand the depths of it. Um, you know, trying to explain how to do your job. I mean, that happens to me all the time um, with my career. Uh, it, it's kind of ridiculous. So I, I think, yeah, that part, of, if, if it had ended there, um, there probably wouldn't have been much more of an... Uh, yeah, but it didn't end there, it didn't. did it? No, no. No, the whole bunch of complaining started about this. Um, and the complaining from, you know, Reddit users and, and, and whatnot... 
wound up getting both Jessica Price and um, what was the other name? Another another developer, a guy who tried to Peter back her up. Yeah, Peter Fries. Okay, yeah. Uh, they both got fired over this um, with the phrase, with the explanation that their attacks on the community are unacceptable, quote unquote. Um, which I, I uh, even if there was more stuff. Here, here's here's the thing. Even if there was more stuff than this, if there was a history, if there was anything else, if you're going to just cave to public demand like that, it's it's basically going to just reinforce toxicity in your community. That's what I see. Because they even there, there's just this. Uh, where was this one in the Reddit thread that was talking about this? Um, yeah, here it is. Uh, we can probably fire anyone on the Guild Wars 2 dev team as long as we make a big enough stink. Nobody at, Reddit, nobody at ArenaNet is safe from the hand of Reddit. We're literally running the company now. They're in fear of the very users they seek to consort with. The moment a dev steps out of line or try to talk back to a player, guess what? They'll know we got their hand... They, that was phrased weird. They'll know we got their hands on their throat and we can squeeze anytime we like. Right, right. So it, it, it's setting up, uh, you know, further toxicity there. Um, it, it's it's enabling. It's it's actually. I, I would say that this is rewarding toxicity. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I do want to be clear. You know, there was there was back and forth here. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, I believe you know she said you know after basically people you know kind of jumping on the bandwagon. She said like the next rando ass had to attain the concept of dialogue as if you know having worked in game narrative for a uh, blank decade. I have never heard of it. It's, it uh, is getting, it's blocked. Um, she added PSA, um, you know, uh, basically saying that this man spending done here um, and then ending kind of, I'm not on the clock here. I'm not your emotional core on just because I'm a dev. Don't expect me to end a like you. Your price was fired shortly after. So, you know, and the funny thing is, is and, and we'll get into this later, is you know, something very similar happened at Riot where, you know, uh, the company decided to, to kind of go on, well, you, you broke the standards of communication kind of thing. Um, and th- the problem is like, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Um, where do you protect your, your, uh, your people? Um, and, and do you really need to fire somebody straight over this? I, and, and I think that's what you're getting at is, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you pull them in and go, Hey, we can't have that conversation, but by, by basically firing them, you did set it up. So now that community does feel that they have um, the ability to do that. And, and if, and if gaming communities were more balanced, like you, you know, kind of referred to earlier of, of, you know, just focusing on, you know, being unhappy in the game and not going into um, some really deep, dark, you know, horrible, ugly places, maybe that would be okay. But the problem is, is because of the lack of emotional intelligence, a lot of times, um, that it becomes an ugly place where they feel that they they have that control. Yeah, and and to some extent, like if you if you take that frame of mind as the neutral state, I would and and they get that feedback. You could even say they're justified in it. They they that they feel that level of control because you've essentially told them that yes, we are subordinate to you in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, um, and I basically let's be very clear of, of how ugly this got, um, you know, fries, uh, you know, got some, it said things like your daddy's a defense blank, ask your wife what time I should head over. You cuck. Um, 
also tell her to put some salt in my spaghetti this time. I, I mean, it, it goes back to kind of the, the ugliness of, um, that you see a lot of times on uh, uh, these places where it gets out of control, you know, on the internet where they feel that they can say anything that they want. You know, again, I have things like this happen to, um, in customer support. Sometimes we get on the phone and talk to somebody and then they, they're actually more polite. It, it, it's that, it's that, that weird um, kind of space where people feel that they can say anything on the internet. Um, it turns. Yeah. It's, it's the gifters, the, the, was it Gabriel's or greater, depending on how you want to, Interpret the G internet F wad theory. Uh, normal person plus anonymity plus audience equals total F wad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's from uh, an old penny arcade strip. Right. And it still resonates today. But um, yeah, for anyone who might be listening to this who, who isn't familiar with this and wants to learn more, there's a pretty good article on uh, The Verge detailing a lot of this. There, there were more developments after this, but like, 90% of the, the, the narrative is covered in that piece from uh, early July on the verge. Um, the, moving on from this, like you mentioned, there, there's this issue with ArenaNet, and then there's just stuff where it could be entirely... Well, this is one of the funny things, because you can't exactly call it entirely internal, because their process took... Their, their internal is mirroring their external at Riot Games. Right. So for anyone who's not familiar with this one, Riot Games is apparently a damn cesspool to work at. God. With filled with just wildly unprofessional and inappropriate behavior, rampant sexism and misogyny. It's just it was there racism in there too? I, I, I might have I, no, I, I, blanked that one I, out. I don't I don't think racism um the misogynistic uh, uh, Yeah. And for for a little bit of context, I have absolutely every reason to believe. <laughs> mm, pardon me. I have every reason to believe that pretty much every description of the company is true because I have not maintained contact with this person, but I know someone. I have worked with someone who now works there, and a mutual coworker has maintained contact uh, with them. And relayed that to me that basically, yes, it's just as bad as so. Yeah. And I, I have no reason to doubt either one of these people. So even though I haven't heard it firsthand, I, I believe it completely. Yeah. I, it was interesting when, when this came out, you know, Kotaku uh, uh, article that came out that, that kind of, you know, listed all of this stuff. That, and to be honest with you, um, I was not aware. Um, you know, I, I held Riot in the highest regard, um, you know, and, and I still have respect for you know, as a business, um, you know, what they put out in League of Legends, they've done. Now, having said that, I, since that time, I've, I've had conversations with, I don't have firsthand uh, information, um, but I did talk to some people who have close uh, friends and, and female friends who've worked or who work at uh, Riot. And, um, you know, a lot of this was kind of backed up, not the specific examples, but the culture um, of misogyny um, and kind of at times lack of respect for women. Um, and that's that's a real shame, and it, it goes back to kind of what you said at the beginning of that the lack of emotional intelligence um, is not it's not just a one sided thing. You can't just say it's our customers are acting like sure you are acting at times influencing culture and business. Oh yeah, and talking about influencing culture, I mean this is where something it, it, it's ingrained in Riot very deeply. I remember we were talking about this a while ago, where 
one, one of the issues seems to be their general like motto of gamers first. Well, how do you define gamer? Is it a core gamer? What do you think a core gamer looks like? One of those, you know, teenage to mid-20 male, you know, is that a part of your definition of a core gamer? Or is it just someone who plays? Or is it someone who plays so hardcore in your game that, you know, they are at this rank? Is it, you know, and, and Riot takes that into account. Like, rank in League of Legends is a determining factor. It, it is taken into consideration when hiring. And... To put it simply, MOBAs don't exactly have a great reputation for healthy communities. Right. Um, so if you're someone who can thrive in a, well, just put it simply, in a toxic community environment, there might be more accurate descriptions for the League of Legends community, but I don't think that one is wholly unearned, so I'm going to stick with that one. For yeah. In- a toxic environment. Oh, um, yeah, and you hire based on that, you cannot in the room... In an even remote sense, be surprised when your work environment and your office culture starts to reflect the game environment and the game community and that whole uh, uh, ecosystem, that whole attitude, and your office culture starts turning toxic too. Right, right. I mean, even you know, and and I and I have heard they're making changes in their hiring where they're they're not asking where you are with gaming and stuff like that. But I have heard the past things of, you know, if you weren't p- playing things like you know, Call of Duty, a first-person shooter or League of Legends, that um, uh, you weren't always considered a, a core gamer. Matter of fact, you know, uh, did some research and saw some people were saying that, um, you know, especially as a woman who was applying there and major uh, uh, World of Warcraft player, and um, uh, she felt like she had to prove her cred. Like you know, she kept on being asked, you know, kind of, kind of specifics about the game because they didn't really believe her. And she you know, at one point was like, you know, I'll open up the game and show you of where I'm. Um, and I kind of laugh at this because, you know, if someone asked me, you know, specifics about my stuff, like I, I jump from all kinds of genres. And if you like grilled me on like my World of Warcraft character, I, I probably would do a horrible job at that. But, <laughs> but I've also been playing video games um, before I even hit the double digits um, of, of age uh, from odyssey and early ataris you know to this day where i have multiple consoles and play i have a switch i've you know all these things so i would consider myself a core gamer but i'm not sure if i'd fall in and then really your second piece there that i think is is super important is is is, you know uh mobas and and competition i mean so you know mostly what you get and it's not the only one i actually know really amazingly um but they you know it's it's a it's young man's game very competitive and talking to part of kind of that demographic and when kind of let loose, which it had been for years, um, becomes toxic. Now, they've been trying to pull it back. Um, a lot of game companies are. There's uh, the Fair Play Alliance that people are uh, trying to you know, work on toxic. Um, but yeah, you thrive in that area. And, you know, League of Legends, you know, was massively huge. It's now contracted. And so if it's contracted, but who do they lose? They lost people who weren't core players. And so you have these core competitive players who, like you just said, who thriving that. And so they they tend to be that very highly competitive, highly, um, uh, you know, toxic talking. Um, and, and then, you know, as a business, if you're like, well, we have to keep those, you're, you're kind of offering up a silver platter of, of like, yeah, we'd like you to change, but we don't want you to do much because we want our game to do well. And, you know, I've heard many of things where you know, people are talking internally, some of the same verbiage that are talking shit. Um, 
you know, I, I still laugh uh, years ago when I first started playing and it was, it was funny. I, I was actually playing with a uh, employee of mine who she was one of the, uh, she was on a top female um, League of Legends, incredible. And um, I played with her and a couple of other people. And I was literally uh, being yelled at. I, I had just started playing, being yelled at for being a feeder, right? So someone who who is like purposely trying to be bad or something like that. And I remember her jumping on and like defending uh, uh, because you know, it, it was ridiculous. I was a new player. But but that's the kind of atmosphere unfortunately reflected. Yeah, it's... <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> it's... Uh... I think it's just ridiculous because it, it's a little bit like you are what you eat, right? Your company atmosphere is who you hire. Um, and those decisions have huge, huge ramifications. I mean, I'm a hiring manager. When I hire people, a sense of professionalism is one of the things I look for. And I don't think that even registers at, at uh at Riot Games, given all of this stuff. Well, I, I give them, I, I give them some respect. Like, I mean, you know, there's, there's some great talent there. There's some great people there. Um, there's great females well, that are there. But unfortunately, I think what you're saying is, and, and I think what we've seen in some of the articles and everything, from the top down, the top leadership, um, their focus is very male dominant, and yeah. that's causing the culture to feel that way. And whether or not those people, you know, good people are there or not. Um, good managers are not even good leaders are not they're struggling yeah um and yeah i don't mean to to paint everybody there with the same brush and i mean to be painting the atmosphere because right you know we've both been in the games industry a long time the fact of the matter is damn near everywhere you look there's amazing people right right uh it's it's just that the ratio there i, I would say that the ratio there is clearly off either due to general um uh, uh, pervasiveness, um, the like issues actually coming from attitudes instilled from the top or, you know, both. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, there's, there's specific, uh, things in the article and, and actually I'd, I'd talked to a friend where, um, you know, even, you know, the, the, the original founders of the game, um, were reflecting this kind of, uh, kind of misogynistic uh, kind of you know, problems, e- even to the even to the fact of when people brought it up, they were kind of shot down or for- felt forced to leave the company. And my understanding is, and, and again, this is secondhand. Um, so everybody do their research. But I believe there, you know, problems came up previously, and a chief people officer type person was hired uh, before. Um, they came in and they were they were there for my understanding was I think like less than six months maybe even less than eight days and um, basically were were asked to leave because the founders didn't believe they reflected um, uh, the riot culture but the reality was at least from my understanding was there the the chief people officer was trying to turn around uh, misogynist attitude and uh, they felt threatened. Um, and, but the problem was, is it didn't go away and here, here they are again and kind of doing the same thing They're They've hired a new people officer, um, who sounds really good. And, and, you know, they've, they put out some, some platitudes of things with them to try to achieve better. Um, but I think the term platitudes there is kind of key. Right. Right. Cause you know, who, it, it, unless they change, right. It, it has to be. And, and unfortunately, a lot of these things are core principles of who people are. It's it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard to look at yourself and go, man, I've messed up. You know, I, I can say I've definitely at, t- at times not been a great person, and, and and then you have to acknowledge that and get better. If that doesn't happen from the top down, 
the culture won't change. I mean, I think we've, you and I have seen this in multiple companies that, you know, true change comes from the top down. People can try from the bottom up, but, but that can be hard as well. I mean, um, right now, Google's having a lot of issues with that as well, that, that people feel that the top down, it's not, uh, not working, but people are trying to do it from the bottom up. And yet um, it, there's been some issues there as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's, that's another thing that went into, like I said, it sounds, it, it seems a bit like platitudes because we've talked about, oh, it looks like they're trying to be sincere about this. And then the, the PAX thing happened where they had a, right. a, a talk that was essentially the, the short description of it is males were barred, men were barred from it, uh, uh, women and transgender or, or whatever. It was, it was explicitly for them. And this was, this kicked up just uh, uh well it, it, so, another it, yeah. it picked over another hornet's nest of of toxic attitudes about this and resulted in two people who were strong advocates for a healthy work uh office environment essentially getting fired or released or quitting or whatever just- yeah, actually they got fired um yeah so uh, i mean i think i think riot was was um trying and i and and actually i you know it's it's funny you know i saw some of the things afterwards it was basically a an all-female um uh type uh talk uh, on development and development i think that that's really great um i've worked at companies who've done some something similar now they still invited men so i'm not sure if that was i think that they were kind of overreaching i don't think that was a bad reason now but then the complaints came in from men saying well well why should you have that um, and I think that goes on the toxic side of, of unfortunately, you know, other whoever. And, and the thing was, is like men have so many talks and so many things like, why are you complaining about this? Did you really feel like you were missing out? The, the, and then unfortunately, these two, um, uh, a, a female and a male you know, kind of defended this, um, uh, that, that it was, you know, okay to have this and, and you know. Unfortunately, they use some terms to kind of be their player base. And then Riot kind of, and very similar to the previous article that we were talking about, um, they ended up firing them based on, you know, kind of the rules of, of, of social, which, you know, yeah, there was some name calling and it wasn't great and everything like that. But maybe you could try to find a, a middle ground because my understanding, especially the, the male employee who was fired, very much an ally from the company. And though he made it badly, maybe Riot could have, you know, pulled him aside and gone, hey, apologize to them, but also we want to change. So um, falling back on, I think, you know, HR things and, and you know, rules, like that's not going to help them out of you. I, I, uh, they need to find a, and I'm not saying that I know what that better, I mean, because much of also what we're talking about is where our society is at today, reevaluate, um, but we've got to find a better way, all of us together. Yeah, it's... It... In the end, for this one, for me, there, like you said, a lot of this comes from the top. I think there has to be something remarkable to happen at the top for them to really get through this. There's just been enough little things that, that we've pointed out in our chats with each other. It's like, okay, I'm starting to doubt the j- serious sincerity and force that they're putting into trying to fix. <laughs> if, if they can get it to work, great. That's the thing is like, I, I, I'm not wishing ill right. upon any company. We want them. To, we want them. To, yeah. We want our yeah. industry to be better. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, you don't, you don't, like I said, the industry is immature and you don't improve your level of maturity by cutting off the nose despite the face. That's an immature reaction. Right. Right. I mean, I work with amazing women, um, binary individuals. 
um, you know, when I, you were talking about being a hiring manager, I'm a hiring manager. I, I don't really care. I just look for the best person who's going to add uh, to my, um, and I, I think hiding behind the term of culture and not hiring somebody or promoting somebody um, and, and kind of making up uses, I think. Oh, you know what? Here's another thing that just drives me nuts about it is for the concept of we're going to hire somebody who we know is really into our product because they play it this much. Here's the other thing. You know what that causes? That causes just an insular mindset. It's it you're 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 limiting your scope. In QA, this is called fresh eyes testing. You want someone who's never seen anything like this before in their lives. Right. Because they're going to come at it with a completely different mindset, a different frame of reference, and they're going to see problems that you've never seen. Because you're going to have just inherent assumptions about how things should work and not realize that this is <laughs> Pardon me. This is really irritating for everybody else. And this, you know, this plays into all kinds of others. It is another one of those things that I keep kind of thinking of because it plays into something like um, uh, you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Melhouse's dad and mom get divorced? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then he gets fired from the cracker factory and his boss is, is saying like, look, single people might eat crackers. We don't know. We don't want to know. Frankly, it's a market we could do without. <laughs> like, what, what, that's a pretty significant market, you dumbass. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's funny because I think about it within customers and people have asked me, like, um, even before I got into I started in, um, you know, when I when I talk to people, it's like, you know, customer support is very similar. Customer experience is um, wherever you are. It's just understanding the industry. I've actually pulled out much of my team different in and brought them in. Um, and they've given me, you know, I've, I've pulled them from market, Google Marketplace. Um, Gosh, I've got a guy from the um, cool. You know, so, like, it's added um, uh, to my team. Made it different. instead of going, oh, I need to have played my game. Like, uh, actually, I just want them to be able to understand and add value. Yeah, but getting back to specifics with with Riot Games, here's the other thing. Given all of this stuff, I would not be willing to work there. I would not be willing to put up with any of that stuff that I, as we've gone into, we find highly credible. Um, I would not recommend anybody to work there. Having said that, I, we do still want them to succeed. It's just like right now, I, I can't suggest anybody subject themselves to that. At the same time, though, like the whole like trying to prove yourself a core gamer, like you said, you, you, you've been a gamer for, you know, so long since, since, you know, Atari and, and whatnot days. And so have I. Um, and you know, well, okay, well, have you just been playing casually the whole time? Dude, I've platinum Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> I don't got anything to prove to anybody, okay? You know why I don't play Call of Duty? I find it boring. <laughs> all right? I just get beat by 13-year-olds all the time. <laughs> I mean, I pro if you go into competitive PvP stuff online, you know, I probably would do terribly, but it's, it's just like there is nothing for me. There's nothing mechanically interesting about the game. It's another console first person shooter. I played Call of Duty for Modern Warfare. OK, as the beginning into the end of it for me, they went back to World War Two. I get to give them credit. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be stuff that comes here and there. That's that's good. But, you know, for me, first person shooters, you know, it, OK, I've played first-person shooters. What is special about this? Uh, Modern Warfare had an intriguing, like, uh, two-track storyline. Okay. 
uh, Doom is just kinetic, frenetic destruction and righteous fury. I mean, that's cool, you know, and it's just one of the most metal things ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear that, you. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Wolfenstein, I get to go around and kill Nazis. Well, that's cathartic. Yeah, yeah. we can't complain on that one, especially in this day and age. <laughs> yeah. And if you complain about that, um, what does that say about you? Right. You know, I think in the, in the uh, end, uh, you know, as far as right, I, I wish them the best. I hope it works out. I hope it works out for air. And and um, the best thing that can happen for them if their culture starts to change, probably it's going to take some time. In, but I wish them the best. You know, I, I hope it turns around and every single person is valued. Okay. So having gone through some of that, let's go through... Something, um, this is probably not something you're too familiar with. I mentioned it to you, but I can, I can relate the situation. It's probably something that's a bit more correct treatment of the situation. There is a website called Roll20. It's sort of like a tabletop game simulator website thing. Yeah. And uh, I, it, there is this very strange situation where one user had this long list of complaints. And for some context... On their forums and other stuff, they take complaints all the time. There, there, there's actually plenty of stuff to complain about the service, but it's still generally good service. There's just issues here. It's one of those things where there's plenty of design choices you have to make, and a lot of times in design choices, uh, there's no right answer. Right. You're you're going to leave someone yep. unhappy. The, these things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. So uh, this one person puts this huge list of complaints, and at the same time, they have this username, and they got um, like suspended from the the roll 20 subreddit not the roll 20 site the subreddit now i looked into this the subreddit is moderated by actual roll 20 staff so like if you wanted to think of it as an official forum contextually you wouldn't be uh, unfounded yeah although they do have their own internal forums stuff too anyhow um the list of complaints was apparently very similar to the point where the term cut and paste was used to a previous user that was very toxic. The username was also very similar to this toxic user. Like, it was the exact same up until a certain point, and then it stopped. Like, it, it, the, the new user was like a shortened version of the other user. Now, all of this can be coincidental, but the, the mod basically said, look, I'm erring on the side of caution. Because the user who was suspended, like, wrote in and said, I don't understand what happened. And they said, look, you're following this pattern. We are on the side of caution. We don't have the access to do an IP check to see if you're the same user. We're going to ask Reddit about it and see if they can. And in that response, got a thing of, okay, it was a little boilerplate thing. It was probably a, an, a factual cut and paste of, if you are using alternate accounts to get around a suspension, that is cause for uh, like deletion of your Reddit account. And that's a Reddit policy. It was just putting it in there as a as an FYI. And the guy thought that he was the user painted his following reactions as though that had been a threat by Roll20. Because, you know, the Roll20 subreddit mod, subreddit mod has the authority to delete someone's general Reddit account, right? Huh. Right. Um, and he puts a, a reply post, uh, like, apparently he wrote back saying, like, look, this is a case of mistaken identity, it's not me, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was, I think, Saturday night, one week or something. He didn't get a response on a Sunday. Mm. And he's like, it's been more than 24 hours, blah, blah, blah. It was Sunday. Right. I mean, Jesus, P. 
people sleep and have other stuff to do, even when it's their jobs, right. you know. But uh, like he started replying, and uh, in the reply said something about if this isn't resolved, something or other, I'm going to get on all of social media and do everything I can to um, like sign everybody away from Roll Twenty. Right. Basically threatening Roll Twenty. At which point, the like it came back, the IP address wasn't his, but because he was doing all this threatening stuff, the the mod said, "Look, you're doing all of this, so the band stands." And uh, he really didn't like that, and a whole bunch of people got on his side. There was this huge thing on Reddit where everyone was complaining about it and complaining about it and complaining about it. And there was accusations that the mod was deleting posts. I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't care to dig that deep into it because this is so stupid. And I even on the other day, I saw on YouTube uh, on my uh, suggested videos was a thing about why I quit Roll20. I'm like, this is incredibly stupid, but they're pretty much just sticking to their guns and they're not like, you know, the, the guy isn't leaving the company or anything like that. It's just, look, you did something stupid and toxic. And they were pointing out, it's like, this is to avoid the game community becoming toxic. And there's this huge kickback right now. But as far as I can tell, they just seem to be writing it out, which as far as I can tell, like minus a couple of like, like we said in other cases, you can, you can point to blame on both sides in a lot of these things, but one side is so disproportionately bad that it's, it's any minor transgressions you might see on one side do not justify the other. In fact, the other is so huge. It, it pretty much just don't even consider one side, you know, and that seems to be the case here. The mod might have said things in a little bit of an odd way. He might not have fully explained things in the right way, but the reactions and <laughs> everything were so wildly disproportionate. It's just stupid. Yeah, I think this is the difficulty of, of how do you, how do you, um, your different chain toxic, whether they're forums, whether it's Reddit, whatever, it, it's very hard. And, and no company has figured it out. That's why I had mentioned the Fair Play Alliance is try, trying to get companies to come up with ideas. You know, right now, and I mentioned this to you before, is, is, a lot of what companies have to hold on to some service. I know for players, um, I don't know, very hammer instead of scalpel. Um, but if you protect your channels, you're going to protect them. You know, in this case, how you explain it to me is um, this guy's name, um, his verbiage, the arguments that he was, was very to someone who had toxic on this channel. And um, uh, they didn't want that back on the channel. And, and quite frankly, I, I understand that as forums and we try to protect it. And we've had to ban people off because quite frankly, they're, they're not adding to the conversation. They're detracting from it. And, and this thing of, you know, well, I feel threatened because you're using Reddit's terms of, it's like, but, but those are the terms of service. And if, and if you are coming back and things, well, you're going to be held to them, you know? And then when players come to protect, protect these people, I, I, you know, and they, they say things like you're taking away my future. Um, I, you know, one of my favorites, not that's public and not private channels are is private. Um, but also we're trying to protect you guys from having a lot of that negative, uh, really hard um, to deal with. And, and, and actually it, it makes discussions kind of smaller because then, you know, as we talked about examples are the circle gets smaller of who's talking. It's really the people who are okay, that kind of stuff that have it. And other people feel scared to jump in and talk. So it, it actually makes, uh, um, worse than better. And so it's unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I still think that given all of that, that Roll20 seems to be taking the right tack. I, I think they, they, they're, they're taking the only, only tactic that they, they have right now. 
Um, and, and it's, it's protecting them in the best way they can. And the community may not understand it. Right. Um, I understand that. And, you know, we as companies have to get better at its parent in our conversations and, and by no means. So I think we're great at that. You know, that's something that we've got to get better and be less scared about of, of saying, but in the end, um, we are trying to be better. Um, and Roll20 is doing the best that they possibly can. And, and the thing is, you know, in the end, if this guy was the same person, he was banned off that uh, that subreddit previously for a specific reason. And he's coming back and trying to you know, play this game. Or even if someone is trying to come back and mirror him, um, that's just not wanted on their Reddit. On their their Reddit, And they're allowed to make that decision. The moderator is allowed to make that yeah. Although, one thing, one thing that you said reminded me of something with the whole ArenaNet thing. And this was... A little bit weird because it's it, it's the division of when someone is known to be working for a company and they have a social media account and I think some of this is just general society adapting to how social media works and reflects a thing. Yeah. Is a game developer working for a company posting on a social media platform a representative of the company at that point, or are they allowed to have their own private conversation? Well, not private. That's actually a thing that <laughs> I get to. Or their own personal. Uh, conversations and opinions now because one of them said this is my private twitter account which i'm pretty sure i i hope they misstated that and they meant personal twitter account because private twitter account is a contradiction in terms i think you're right you know i i i think the the thing that's a very difficult and i think concept that we're we're not dressing like that of um, when are you allowed to say thing? And, you know, even what was mentioned, you're not allowed to have, your, um, by the, the other issue was, um, and even the right issue, am I allowed to say my personal feeling? Um, you know, th- that's why also I, I specifically don't say, you know, we don't say what companies like that. So that's because if not, it'd be difficult for some of the, we say, so, I mean, I, I get it. Um, but where do you draw the line? And, and I, that's why, you know, I said, I think of, um, instead of firing these from the company, be pulling them in and, and having a more nuanced, the right thing. Um, but, you know, I wasn't behind the door, so I don't really know specifics are. But, but it, yeah, when is when are you allowed to have your own voice? Yeah, no, it's it's something we'll continue to work on and, and hopefully hit an equilibrium point. I think it's it's something that society in general is struggling with. Agreed, right now. my friend. Agreed. Okay, and the more recent headline that we, uh, I wanted to touch on Telltale Games. Speaking of immature management. Yeah, such a shame. Yeah, Telltale Games shutting down or maybe trying to raise funding or maybe getting sued in a class action lawsuit. Like, it seems really irresponsible. It seems exceptionally irresponsible to have people working up to a day and then they say, oh, nope, we don't have any money more. You're all laid off. Yeah, no uh, uh, severance or or insurance running out at the end of the month. Pretty harsh, pretty harsh, especially since, you know, truth be told, people, you know, the, the top leadership knew that this was uh, probably going to happen. Um, and so that seems like a bad way. Yeah. I mean, without knowing the right, internal right. Uh, debates and dialogues and stuff, it's possible that there was reason to suspect that this wasn't going to happen. Right. But even then, it's a point of being open with the employees of the possibility and that's just treating people with respect which is to say like if you're going to tell them there's a possibility that the company's going to go under are some of them going to leave are some of them going to take time off because they don't care anymore yeah it's possible 
but um, you don't open yourself up to a class action lawsuit well, and you're just treating people with yeah, respect. Yeah, it's, it's just doing right by your people, which in the end is what we should be doing. Um, you know, even if it's like you're not you're not going to get no severance, but like like do the top leaders take you know cuts in their salary or something like that and and help people out? Like you know, what's the right th- you know? Especially when you you look back at the article and and what was driving the, this problem was uh, the lack of innovation. You know, they were using their own engine. Um, you know, and, and I enjoy these games. You know, I enjoyed some of the the earliest uh, Telltale games. I think they were great. That's why they did so well. Um, but they didn't innovate. And, you know, the one thing that we know in this industry, you do not innovate, you die. And unfortunately, that's exactly what you saw with Telltale. Yep. They were treating their engine like it was a cookie cutter. And one of the funny things is I've worked on games that I think do Telltale's whole storytelling process better because those moments where it says like Clementine will remember that. <laughs> yeah. I've worked on other games where it actually does some. Right, right. I mean, there's a, a few of these you know, kind of sure type that are out there, and they're now doing it better. Um, and uh, and some of them, some of them with strong IAP, um, and some of them uh, or IP, but um, some of them with not strong uh, IP, so intellectual property. Um, and it's just a shame because they, you know, Telltale had strong uh, IP. The Walking Dead maybe not exactly what it used, to be, but it's still a strong IP. Um, and and yeah. you know, if they had innovated and 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 really focused on that, I think actually would have done uh, really great. It's just it, because they had the base. People liked their game. People were playing. It, they, they really were the first one to do this. Um, you know, they had the, the fable stuff. And um, uh, <clears throat> was it? I think they did Game of Thrones as well. I, I mean, they had lots of stuff. In yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, Strong Bad, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Batman, Minecraft. Batman, no, that was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I played a bunch of that. Yeah, it's just such a shame. You have the IP, you have every chance. And they did, and, and to go out the way they did. Yeah. Working with, with someone else's IP is, is always a bit Definitely. tricky because you, you have to adhere to all of their requirements. Yep. Um, and they get a, you know, depending on the deal, maybe they get a flat fee or they get a cut. Um, so it still feels like to me, and I haven't seen anything contradict this, but it's it's still uncertain. It feels to me like... There was a proposed deal to do something that they'd hit a milestone or something and get funding for it, and they missed it, or the deal Ah. fell through, and that's why they were like, oh, we're going to paper in this money, which will let us continue operations, and then when it was not available, it was hard stop. Got to stop now. that part, yeah. it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's it's something that to me looks like it fits this right. pattern. Yeah. But again, that goes to the maturity of the management. If they were in that position and they didn't tell the employees, you know, I mean, at what point is this? Oh, we don't want to let the potential investors know because if they say yes, we're fine. If they say no, we're screwed. And if they tell other people we're working with or something like that, I mean, things get a little tricky here. And that's why. You know, I don't want to be defending them because I think that it was bad practices that got them into this situation in the first place because we haven't even talked about, you know, you know, unnecessary overtime and toxic office culture and all of this stuff and and previous management digging him into the hole who got they got rid of earlier this year and they haven't been able to get themselves out or was it last year they they got rid of or something like that. And new management hasn't been able to get out. Although I've heard the description meet the new boss same as the old boss. I believe it was the Ask a Game Dev Twitter account uh, described it that way to me. Interesting. But um, all of that said, like, if it was a case where if you're in that situation, you're desperately trying to dig your way out. And let's say, hypothetically, 
It's even been, they've actually been operating this way and they've been able to just keep getting deals on the deadline so they could continue mm -hmm. operations. And this is just the one that missed. And just because it missed, everything falls apart. They don't have any money. Well, if that's the case, then no, you're not going to get severances because there's no money to pay severances. Right. Like coffers are dry. I mean, if that's the case, then that's the case. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's legal exposure because of that. In, the, in that, like, I, I don't know that particular part of uh, work right. law, business law. Maybe they maybe they are exposed. The thing is, perhaps they were also exposed before the new management took control. So, like I said, <clears throat> there's plenty to hold against them, but I don't necessarily... I want to know more before I say everybody in the current management is uh, to be right, target right. feathered. Yeah, and I, I can see paths where they could have been doing things um, to the best of their, the honest yeah, best and, of their. And I'm, we've seen this. The gaming is cutthroat. You know, we've seen this before, where um, you have great games that come out, your fourth one doesn't, and everything that you go on. Um, many. This has happened a lot. This has also happened to big game companies where uh, they were doing great for a long time, um, and then they had had problems. Inga has had major problems in the past year, and now is starting to come back again. Um, but they had to cut, and it was tough for them. So, um, you know, I hope the best for for the Telltale. You know, I'm great talent, and I'm, I hope picked up really quickly. Do what they love, which is making games for people, because that's why we do. You know, all this is why we're all a part of it. You know, kind of like we said earlier. You know, kind of to wrap it up for me is. Uh, we want our industry better. Every one of these examples are are uh, yeah, which goes back to the opening thesis. Like generally, the industry being mature. <laughs> Incidentally, a lot of these topics I think make Nintendo look better in retrospect <laughs> when it comes to community toxicity. They go out of their way to. I mean, people can think of it as restrictive, but uh, rarely do you hear about toxic Nintendo communities. Yeah, no, that's it's very true. But I also think it goes to the, their types of games. Their their games are pretty benign, um, and so it's, it's easier. And 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 to be also clear is I think the demographic is a very demographic. It's not just a male dominated demographic. Um, men, women, old, young, all really enjoy. It. I think that that yeah. Um... They they also when when you talk to to people about them, I, I have not heard stories about ridiculous overtime and crunch time at oh, Nintendo oh, facility. Yeah. Well, that's also one of the difficulties that we work a lot. <laughs> yeah, although you know if you run things well, it uh, a lot of overtime is legitimately yeah, yeah, unnecessary. Definitely. And uh, I guess with that, we've covered our main topics. I'll actually go to a to to the war story segment, and I have one that's on topic. I actually had a different one, but that segue. Uh, made me think of one that's very on topic. Um, it might be a little dry, but uh, it's a bit of a lesson to, to, to people. Where um, there was one point where uh, I came into a QA department that was hugely staffed, very busy, and regularly working overtime every night, like you know, two or three hours overtime uh, every night. And the thing is, the whole place was structured so poorly that it was just ridiculously inefficient and time goes by the, the manager winds up leaving or getting pushed out or whatever. And, uh, me and, uh, the other supervisor essentially take control over the department. We institute a couple of fairly minor tweaks over time, effectively stopped mm. workload was the same, but we got it all done during the normal workday. So a lot of times when you hear people like, Oh, you got to work this hard. You got to do crunch time. It's like, okay, there's times 
there are legitimately times where there are impending deadlines where you have to do a lot of work. But that kind of persistent crunch, that's garbage. That's stupid. It's usually inefficient. It's ineffective. And it's just, again, an immature attitude. A bunch of people. I've had, yes, I've had a point where one of my leads, he had been working himself too hard. No one strictly told him he had to do that. And I got to the point where I'm like, dude, stop working so hard. Stop working so hard. I legitimately said, if you do not take a week off, I will write you up. (laughs) Right, right. I basically had to kick him out of the office. So that is what I would consider a more mature attitude (laughs) because I actually care about the mental health of my team. Is that you you care about the mental welfare. Business is important. Um, We have to make that revenue to open. Um, But if you burn your people out, um, you hurt your culture um, and you're not and you hurt and your, you business, hurt your business and you're not going to do your best. So, um, yeah, cheers to you for focusing. Yeah, thank you. <sighs> so, I think that about covers it for today. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Chris. Sir. Yep. Okay, and so if anyone out there would like to see me write about anything on the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about anything on Behind the Line Radio, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K-Y-N-E-Y-K at enthusiacs.com. Or more people probably get in touch with me at Twitter. That's at kinetic knows, K-Y-N-E-T-K. I misspelled my own Twitter <laughs> handle. I think I've done that before. K-Y- at K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K-K-N-O-W-S. Kinetic notes. Right. Hope to hear from y'all. See y'all next time. Behind the Line Radio was presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, articles, let's plays, and more, visit us at enthusiasts.com. Follow us on Twitter at Enthusiasts, Facebook Enthusiasts, or YouTube Enthusiasts. The Enthusiasts is also a part of the Loosely Connected Network. Follow us and many other great creators at thelooselyconnected.com or on Twitter at thelooselyconnected. That's connected with no vowels and one N.